Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. All right, good morning, Mercy family. How y'all doing? Yeah, we're up. If you're online with us this morning, welcome. Glad you are here with us. Um, my name is Spence. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Church, and I have the, the real honor this morning of introducing to you uh, the guy that's going to be preaching for us this morning. Uh, his name's Chris Gaynor. Uh, he's the pastor of prayer and worship. He's got some friends um, in the, the crowd this morning. Uh, invited some cousins down, I guess, um, that are already excited for it. But um, Chris has uh, preached here actually several times before and really in many ways has served in my life um, as a spiritual father and mentor in so many ways I don't think I even fully realized until I was a part of a church planting team. Um, he was, of course, a part of the, the church that sent us out to plant Mercy Church uh, years ago. And I'm telling you, it is like something that we anticipate for weeks whenever Chris is coming. It's kind of like I was thinking about it. You know, at Christmas when your parents gave you like uh, a coupon for something that was coming later, you know, like, hey, you've got tickets to the Panther game in months or whatever. This is like, hey, it's finally here, the Christmas present. So you're welcome. Belated Christmas present uh, is here in the form of Chris Gaynor. Uh, he and his wife, Michelle, have a couple of, uh, couple of sons. Uh, Hudson and Haddon, they will be, they're not here this weekend because he took Valentine's Day weekend and came down and hung out. So Chris is refreshed and ready to preach God's word to you. Um, will you guys join me in welcoming our brother, our friend, extended family member, Chris Gaynor. Yes, I have two boys. They are 11 and 13. They're my children, not my grandchildren. So, uh, and they are at home. <laughs> it's awesome. It's great. Man, I'm so glad to, to be with you today and to share with you. And, and I got to tell you, um, the Lord has the sweetest way of confirming uh, when he wants to speak. I want to tell you that what I hope to do today is to deliver to you a word from the Lord, not preach a sermon, not walk through a transcript. And I'll be straight with you, I've really wrestled with the Lord over the last couple of weeks, knowing I was coming, uh, wanting to be a wonderful present, not a booby prize, um, and just asking the Lord what, and uh and I've wrestled, and I've prayed, and uh, I believe I came to what the Lord wanted me to say to you today, and then we walked through those songs of worship, and I knew, I knew, I knew this was the word of the Lord. So uh, let me just ask you this. How you doing? Are you as glad as I am to be out of 2020? Even though we don't know what 2021 is going to be like, we're just glad to be done with 
2020. So let me ask you, what are you hoping for this year? What, what are you hoping for? What, what are you looking for? What, what is it that you want to see God do in your life in 2021? What about the lives of your friends, your family, your kids? What is it that you are longing, anxiously awaiting to see God do? What about in your church family? What is it that you want God to do? What, brothers and sisters, are you asking him for? Jesus had an encounter with a blind man on the road to Jericho that's recorded for us in in Luke 18, and I don't have time to unpack it, though it is a beautiful little story with so much uh, embedded in it for us. But here's the gist of it. There's a blind man sitting by the road, and he hears that Jesus is coming, and so he begins to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tries to quiet him down, but he shouts only the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus has the man brought to him, and he asks him this question, Luke 18, 41, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And without hesitation, this man says, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And then the scripture says, immediately he received his sight, listen, and followed Jesus. Praising God. Listen to me as confusing as these days are for us, as disoriented as this season in our lives and in our country might be, as uncertain as the year ahead of us may be, I think the cry of our hearts ought to be, Lord, I want to see. I want to see because listen to me, you and I cannot follow Jesus into 2021 into whatever is in front of us unless God gives us the capacity, the ability to see. Here's why that's important because God didn't call you to navigate the circumstances of your life. He he didn't call you to figure out what's next and adjust accordingly. God calls you to follow Jesus. And in order to follow him, brothers and sisters, you got to be able to see. That's why I think Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians 1 has resonated with me, why I believe today it is God's word for you and why I think it should become the prayer that you and I pray for ourselves, and for each other. So if you've got a copy of the Scriptures, let me encourage you to turn there to Ephesians 1. We're going to look at verses 17 to 19. Ephesians 1, verses 17 to 19. And because I've been reading from the New International Version since 1986, that's what I'm preaching from, okay? Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened 
in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. I'm gonna be straight with you. I'm working to memorize it so that I can just say it, so I can cry it out. And I wanna encourage you, even as we begin today, to make a commitment to do that. Because I'm gonna ask you at the end to make this your prayer for yourself and for your church. Listen, Paul, who had light shine on him on the road to Damascus, Paul, who had his own eyes opened to see and know the truth about Jesus, already knows what the church at Ephesus needs. Lord, Paul said, they need to see. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Listen, the goal of Paul's prayer for them is deep experiential knowledge of God. The, The word here for know, the Greek word for know here is epinosis. And it actually refers to a a kind of intimate knowing. In fact, the root word for this is the same word that's used to describe the intimacy between a husband and wife. It's an intimate knowing of God that comes from personal relationship. He's not talking about head knowledge or facts. It's knowing God because you've been with God, because you've enjoyed God, because you've delighted in his presence, and because you've opened yourself to God and God has opened himself to you. This kind of intimacy, my brothers and sisters, is not cultivated in this room. It might be provoked in this room, but it is not cultivated in this room. It's cultivated in the private place where you commune with God in his word, and in prayer. And honestly, in order for that to happen, for you and I to have that kind of intimacy, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know what revelation is? Revelation is the uh, uncovering of something that's hidden. It's, It's being given sight. It's being given light to see and know something you didn't know before. You don't figure this out on your own. The Holy Spirit of God reveals it to you. And listen, I need God to uncover for me in his word and in my relationship to him, the awareness of his greatness. I need him to fuel a fire in me that will enable me to stand in this place with my brothers and sisters and sing, oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's Your hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. And I cry out, my God, how great you are. Those aren't aren't words that are based on facts. That's an expression of worship that comes from a realization, a, a revelation, and an understanding of the character of God that's brought to us by the Holy Spirit. But I don't just need revelation. I need wisdom, Paul says, because I got to know how to apply the insight I've been given. You and I need the Holy Spirit. to. We need Holy Spirit discernment in order to know how to live out of the insight, the revelation we've been given. 
It's the spirit of God that reveals the character of God to you and I and then leads us to respond rightly to that character. So Paul says, I'm praying that the spirit of God will lead you by by revelation and wisdom into this deep knowing and understanding of who God is. You see, this morning, many of us think we got to figure out what's going on around us when in reality, what we need to know is who is God in the middle of what's going on around us. Paul tells the church at Ephesus that this is a prayer that he keeps on praying for them. Look at it. He says, I keep asking. I keep asking. Is Paul modeling for us what it means to pray continually, to let the cry of our hearts continually come up in our interaction with God? I keep asking, he says, praying continually for intimacy because there will always be a need for them, for you and I to know God better. Listen to me. You're not ever going to get to the place where you know all about God you need to know. You're not going to get to the place where your revelation is full and complete until that day that you stand in front of him and scripture says, you're going to know him just like he knows you. There's always a need for you and I to know God more deeply and to bolster their confidence and our confidence that this prayer will be heard and answered. Look at how Paul describes the one he's praying to. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God who gave up his only son for our salvation. The glorious Father, the Father who sent his son into the world for the express purpose of showing us what he was like. Listen, church, this is a prayer you and I can pray with confidence. Believing that God will answer, we can ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know why? Because Romans 8.32 says this, How will he who did not spare his only son, not also along with him, freely give us all things? God's modeled for us his willingness to reveal himself for us to us by sending his son Jesus. What sense would it make that he withhold from us at this point? I keep asking. I keep asking, he says, and we can cry out to the glorious Father and ask him to pour out his spirit on us so we can know him better because good fathers, listen, good fathers give good gifts to their kids. Good fathers have a heart of compassion that's turned towards their kids, that wants to bless their kids. And listen, listen, Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, Listen to it. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Listen, God's heart is for you to know Him. We sang it. You've been invited in. What an honor. You've been invited in, and God wants you to know Him and commune with Him. And church, listen to me. We need to see God. We need to know Him deeply, personally, intimately. Honestly, the reason our faith is so weak sometimes is because we don't really see. We don't really know him. The reason we're so rattled and scattered and so prone to wonder is because we don't really see. 
We don't have a clear vision. The reason we chase after so many things, looking for life in the idols of the world, convinced that something more will make us happy and give us life is because, we, because our view of God is lacking. I read this quote probably 30 years ago from Larry Crabb. He said, God, I know you're all I need. You're all, I know you're all I have, but I don't know you well enough for you to be all I need. See, the reason some of you think you need something else this morning is because you just don't know God the way you need to know him. We are filled with fear and worry because we simply don't have confidence-inspiring, faith-fueled view of the greatness of God. Our worship is sometimes anemic and it lacks passion Quite honestly, not because of the songs, not because of the room, not because of the sound or the instrumentation, not because of anything else, but that our hearts are not filled with awe because we don't see and know God. Let me say this loud and clear. We struggle to trust and obey because we don't have a vision of God that fuels faith and leads to absolute surrender. Your obedience to God. Listen to me this morning. Your obedience to God or the lack thereof is a clear indication of what you think about who God is. I'm going to say it again. Your obedience or lack thereof is a clear indication of your view of God. That's why the scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you and I saw him as he truly is, if we understood the depth of his greatness and the reach of his power and his great love for us, if we really saw and understood that, it would change everything about how we act and how we live. Our greatest need is to have our thinking about God transformed by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Jesus says to us thus this morning, what what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? What what do you want me to do for you? Joy, what do you want me to do for you? Spence, what do you want me to do for you? Charlie, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you, church? And y'all, we need to stop with the fix this, fix that, give me this, give me that, and cry out, I want to see. I want to see. I need to see. I need my eyes open. I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that in the middle of all the chaos, I can know you better. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. If you and I walked out of this place this morning, listen to me, and God, by his great power and and might, removed every trouble, fixed every problem, and gave you everything you ever wanted but did not draw you by his spirit into deep and abiding intimacy with him, you would be worse off than before. Because you would be without the capacity to understand how deeply you need him. You don't need a better circumstance. You need to know God more. And you need to know that God is over and above and in and beyond every circumstance. 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that does to your heart, but I feel like I wrote this and I thought I should just stop right there. We just call everybody to the front and beg and plead for God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could know him better. Listen to me. You don't have a bigger need today than that. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're enduring. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you want, but here's what I do know. You need to know God. And I do think maybe we should stop there. But Paul goes on. So I figured if he did, so should I. Because there's more that Paul thinks the church at Ephesus needs to know. Look at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Three things. Three realities that Paul is praying they will know and that you and I need to see and know today. But in order to see these and know these, we need the eyes of our hearts opened so that light streams in and we're able to see. Look at what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. Listen, again, Paul's praying for knowledge, but this time it's different. I told you already that the word for know in verse 17 is epinosis, which is this knowledge that comes by intimate, personal experience, and it's progressive and growing. But here in verse 18, the word Paul uses is ido or oida, which means being aware of, understanding, grasping completely. It suggests the fullness of knowledge. Not a progressive knowledge, but a full knowledge that comes to us by which we are able to grasp and know and understand truth. But listen, it's not knowledge in the head, it's heart knowledge. Listen, in the spiritual sense, the way the Bible speaks of it, the, the heart is the innermost place where we know and believe and, and place value. It's, it's not just the center of emotion like our culture sees it but it is the center of our will and desire, our understanding. It's the deepest part of us that knows things, that understands, that grasps. It's where we discern value and worth and beauty. And what Paul, what is it that Paul's telling them, telling us that our hearts need to see? Three things, the hope, to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. All right, let me see if I can unpack these just a little bit. The hope to which he's called you. Listen to me, if you're in Christ Jesus, it's because God called you. You're not in Christ because of you. You're in Christ because he called you. He knew you by name. He set his affection on you, and he drew you by his spirit. He called you to himself. And his calling to you, his calling you to Jesus, listen, is a call to hope. Listen, we're, we're living in a day where people are grasping for hope. They're grasping for hope. Many around us have already lost hope. 
Despair and discouragement and depression have set in. They don't see any hope. And let's be honest, many of you today, that's where you are. You're struggling to believe that things are going to get better. Is it ever going to get better? Are we ever going back to normal? Whatever normal is. But listen to me. We need to set our hearts on the hope of our calling, and that's not a hope focused on our earthly existence. I, I, I need to probably shake you up a little bit and tell you that God didn't call you to a better life. He didn't call you to greater success. He didn't call you to, to the abundance of things. He didn't call you to the easy life. He didn't call you to the American dream. In fact, Jesus said, if you're going to come follow me, you got to take up your cross. He called you to die to your fleshly desires to seek and walk and pursue the one who came to give you spiritual life. Listen, in the American church, we have got this so tangled up. We think the call to Jesus is a call to success. We think the call to Jesus is a call to an easy life and to abundance. And I need to tell you, you couldn't be further from the truth. Listen, Jesus said, hey, the birds, they have a nest. But the son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. And brothers and sisters, the servant's not greater than the master. Jesus said, come, come and die. Come and lay down your life. Come and give it up and follow me. Listen. You need to know that God's called you to a hope beyond your time on earth. And you need to know what that hope is. We sang it this morning. It ought to stir something in you to stand in this place and say, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. And I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great you are. But see, I know where some of you are this morning because I've been there. I've been there. I wanted Jesus to come back, but I didn't want him to come back too soon because there were things I wanted to experience. There were things I wanted to possess. There were things in life I wanted to do, and I didn't want Jesus to come back as if his coming would interrupt the fulfillment of my life. How jacked up and ridiculous is that? That comes to us because we have our hope set on temporal, temporary, passing away, burning up kinds of things. And listen to me, the only way you're going to make it, the only way you're going to make it through the disappointments of life is to know that you've got a hope beyond this life. And you're not going to know that. You're not going to know that in your head and have it do you any good, you need the eyes of your heart open so that your very soul grasps this truth. I have a hope. I have a future. God has a plan for me. And it is to bring me to himself. Listen, Paul would say to the Corinthian church, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're of all people to be most pitied. Listen, if this is all Jesus can help you with, you're pitied. You're sorry. You need a hope beyond this life. 
Y'all don't want me to preach. Okay. Listen, the hope God called you to is eternal. It's an anchor for your soul, firm and secure. That's what Hebrews 6.19 says. And you should know this by now, but no other hope will satisfy you. Every other hope will fail you. Sooner or later, all other hopes disappoint. I told you I got a 13-year-old. You think 13-year-olds have hopes and dreams? Anybody in the room know what they are? I'll tell you what they are in my house. I'm hoping for a pair of Yeezys. And if I can't have Yeezys, I'm hoping for some Jordans. I'm hoping for a new Xbox. But what I really like is a a new PC so I can play games on that because that's better than playing on the Xbox, so I'm told. I'm hoping to dress cool so people will think I'm cool. Laugh, because some of y'all, you still in it. (laughs) I see what you got on. I see what you got on. Y'all, listen to me. At some point, that little 13-year-old, by the grace of God, is going to wake up and recognize that shoes don't make the man. That clothes don't make you cool. And some new gaming system will only be exceeded by the next gaming system and you will never be satisfied. So stop. Don't set your hope on things in the world. Set your hope on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Listen, these verses, listen to these verses that describe what he's called us to. 1 Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare, listen, the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You're called out of darkness. You're called into light. You're called into life. You're called into flourishing and growing by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, you're called. We sang it. You're called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're called to pull up to the table and feast in the presence of Jesus, to fellowship with him, to fellowship with the one you should be. You should be barred from ever seeing. You're called into fellowship. 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, that's here, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Listen, we've been called to a glorious hope out of darkness, into light, into fellowship with the Son, and into glory. That's our hope. And listen to me, you need your heart awakened to that hope. The second reality he says we need to see and know is this. The glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. I'll be square with you. Like, what the heck does that mean? I mean, I know the saints and they ain't all that glorious. You ain't that special. I'll be square with you. I'm hoping for a little bit bigger inheritance than you. Y'all giggling because you know it's true. 
I'm like, really? This person next to me, that's my inheritance? Dang. I better go back to work. All right. Enough with the funny business. Commentators argue over whether Paul's talking about inheritance here as something Jesus will receive because it says his inheritance in the saints or whether it is an inheritance that we will receive. And honestly, there are great arguments for both sides. Deuteronomy 3.29. For the Lord's portion, his inheritance is his people. And then you have 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. You see it? Scripture gives evidence that both are realities. God has an inheritance in his people, and at the same time, he's laid up an inheritance for us. And you know what? Some, com- some commentators believe it's both. Romans eight seventeen says, if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, and listen, co-heirs with Christ. So his inheritance is my inheritance. But either way, listen to how he describes it, the glorious riches of his inheritance. Gloriously rich. In my book, that means there's no lack. There's no deficiency. There's no want. It's precious and valued, a treasure beyond compare. In fact, the scripture even says that it is beyond our ability to comprehend it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind can conceive the things God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to me, you're not going to know that in your head. You're not going to dream it up, you're not going to imagine it, because the scripture says you can't. You got to know that in your heart, and that only comes because of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen, the hope to which God's called us is gloriously rich, and when we get there, it will be worth it. Whatever we have to give up, whatever we have to endure, nothing will compare to the glories that we will, will be revealed when we see Him face to face. I can't describe it for you because I haven't seen it. I don't know what it's like to be Jeff Bezos. But I know that in Jesus, I have an inheritance that is gloriously rich, that will endure, never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for me by Christ Jesus. The third reality that we need to see and know is this, his incomparably great power for us who believe. His incomparably great power for... Listen, his power is so great that this says there's no comparison. It's incomparably great. Nothing even comes close. Nothing can stand against his power or thwart his purposes and his plans. Nothing can stop him. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, ah, sovereign Lord. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. 
Can I just say this this morning? Some of you have given up on all kinds of things because you don't know in your heart that nothing is too hard for God. You don't know his power. You know everybody else's power. You think you know the power of the enemy, but you don't know the power of God because nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. And his incomparably great power, look at, look at it, look at it, look at it. It's for us who believe It's for us. It's not against you. Listen, if he marshaled his power against you, you wouldn't be here this morning. You would be destroyed. Lamentations 3, therefore I call this to mind. I have hope because of the Lord's great love for us, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Listen, you know what that verse says? If it weren't for his love, his power would overtake me and wipe me out. All of his strength, all of his power is leveraged to accomplish his purposes in our lives, to fulfill all that he's promised to us. Listen to me. He's promised to restore us to himself. He's promised to work all things together for our good. And he has promised to bring us to himself, to dwell in his presence and to enjoy him forever. And he has the power to make it happen. And just so you know, he has the power to do this. Paul describes that power. We didn't read it earlier, but Paul tells you what it is. It's the same power he used to raise Jesus from the dead. That power, that power, Paul says, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted. Listen, when he raised Jesus from the dead. And, and there's more. Not just raised him from the dead, seated him at at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Y'all, that's power. He didn't just raise Jesus from the dead. He raised him from the dead and brought him all the way to glory to seat at the right hand and rule over everything. And listen, that's the same power that God is at work in you to fulfill the hope to which he has called you and to give you the gloriously rich inheritance that he has in heaven for you. Listen, church, that power is unlike anything we've ever seen. And you and I need our hearts awakened to know that that power is for us. Listen to me this morning. God's called you. My brothers and sisters, God has called each of you to an eternal hope. That is sure. Listen, you might feel poor in this world, but he's called you to an inheritance that is of greater worth and value than you can ever imagine. Listen, he's not just called you and restored you. He's adopted you as a son or daughter of the most high God to be a co-heir with Jesus. And when we get there, by his great power, it will be worth it all. But in order to know these truths, 
We need the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Y'all, we need a great awakening. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, they give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious riches of his inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Y'all, I don't know what 2021 has. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be more of the same. I don't know if it'll get harder, worse. There's some days I can't imagine it getting better, but here's what I do know. The God of the universe who sent his son for you wants you to know him. He wants you to see him because only in knowing him and seeing him can you truly follow him. So I'm asking you today, would you consider making this prayer your own? Would you think about praying this for your children, for your young ones? Would you think about praying this for college students and and young singles? Would you pray this for your church? Would you pray this for your pastors who stand to speak to you on God's behalf? Would you pray that they would come into this place with a greater, deeper, more intimate knowledge of God that's rooted and anchored in knowing what God has called them to? Would you pray that God would open the eyes of the blind so that they can see the glories of Jesus, the one who is calling them out of darkness and into life. I don't know what this year will bring, but I know this. Our greatest need is to see. So I'm going to ask you again, what do you want? What do you want the Lord to do for you? Are you willing to say, like the blind man on the road to Jericho, I just want to see. I just want to see. I just want to see Jesus. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for your mercy and grace that has opened our eyes and called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. God, I ask you by that same grace and goodness, would you day by day cause us to know you more And would you awaken our hearts to know the realities of heaven that often we can't imagine? But God, would you grant us the ability by your spirit to grasp it, to know it, to believe it, and to live like you're coming back for us. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.